Greetings to Play On Nerds listeners. This is Jarman, your ever-present podcast host and producer. This is a very special episode of the podcast, where I interview comic book expert Joffrey Combs. We go over in great detail what seeing Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice, was like for a true comic book lover and historian. If you're a long-time Play On Nerds listeners, you may remember him as our guest on episode 38, Marvel's Ultron Explained, where Joff talked about the history of Ultron as a character from the comics. You may also remember from that episode that he mentioned that he is the proud owner of thousands of comics. And this guy really knows what lies between the covers of those books. Now you may be thinking, wait a minute, Batman vs. Superman came out a while ago now. Why are you just now releasing this interview? Well, the answer is... Gremlins. Part of our interview was lost in recording, and then there were several technical issues that arose in the post-production process. But... I've never lost an episode of a play on nerds, and I didn't plan on starting now. So I killed the gremlins, hid my mogwai in a dark, dry place, and I have three-fourths of our interview available to you now. And let me tell you, it's a whole lot of fun, and you will learn a hell of a lot. So my apologies to Joff for the lateness of this episode's release, but I hope you a play on nerds fans will listen in and enjoy my interview with Joff Combs, comic book expert extraordinaire on Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice. We'll now jump into our discussion already in progress about what Joff thought of Ben Affleck's portrayal of Bruce Wayne. By the way, I know this is the Danny Elfman Batman theme from 1989, and not anything from the new movie, but you try remembering any music from Batman vs. Superman. Go ahead. I bet you can't. It's very forgettable. What do you think of his Bruce Wayne as compared to his uh, his Batman portrayal? Uh, a bit more jaded version of Bruce Wayne, but again, he's supposed to be the older version. Uh, they dropped the hints at him, you know, being Lothario and such as that. Um, but he seemed very tired, which yeah. makes a bit of sense playing the older version of it. At the same time, when they showed him wake up from the one dream sequence, you know, there's clearly some woman that he's bedded there with him. <laughs> but they don't explain. Yeah, still Bruce. Um so uh, we didn't really get to see enough of him as Bruce Wayne because I, I think also the older that Bruce Wayne gets, the more he just become the more Batman just doesn't give a shit about keeping up the uh, uh, the appearances. And so yeah. you know he's like, yeah, if I get the same thing, which we kind of saw in the cartoon Batman Beyond because in the cartoon Kevin Conroy, the guy who did the voice of Batman, always played Bruce Wayne with one way and Batman in another way, which strangely enough was the first time anybody thought to do that. However, by the time we get to Batman Beyond, he's just using one voice for Bruce, and that's it. And it's Batman's voice. So, because it's, it's that point of, Adams don't care anymore. I'm old and grizzled, you know, type thing. So, I think that's part <laughs> of where the character was going, in as much as that, you know, he's just, you know, I've done this before, you know, and he, he, he I'm not going to say he's losing his edge, but he's just, the characters are merging, uh, is basically what it comes down so- to. Would you say besides the wanton killing, was it, was it a did it feel somewhat faithful to the Batman you know from comics in general, or just is there are there too many versions of Batman in comics that it's hard to tell? Uh, a little bit of that, a little bit of that. I mean, the, with everything else that I have about uh, with Batman, the absolute pinnacle of Batman is from Batman the animated series, then Batman Beyond, mm. then Justice League. Uh, the way he was written, the way he was uh, portrayed, and all of that, 
that is the penultimate Batman. So it's difficult to live up to that. Uh, in the Nolan films, uh, Christian Bale does come close. And so far, we've only seen we've only seen Affleck in it with one one shot so far. We're going to see him at least twice more in Justice League films, and apparently he uh, apparently Affleck himself is doing a treatment for a standalone Batman film. Totally. So, so we'll get to see what happens. Uh, so it's a little bit hard to detect on that. One minor uh, thing that I have, which has been a long-standing thing, is that you know Batman is supposed to be the world's greatest detective, but in pretty much everything he's been portrayed in recently, especially live action, he's just a really good super spy. And they're not really doing much with his detective side, which kind of annoys me. But Yeah, like they almost did it in this movie a few times, but they just didn't have time to go into that really much because right. there's way too much going on. <laughs> they, they were definitely trying to cram too much into that film. Uh, oh, yeah. that, that is a given period the end. And again, that's, that's what was one of my complaints with it, is that it had weird jerky moments, um, and they just kept stop starting doing other stuff. Can I also say, the dream sequences with Bruce, okay, I get it when they're showing the flashbacks and such as that, but I don't understand why he was getting the weird prophetic dreams. Yeah. Because again, to people who don't know the DC Universe or anything, that could be a complete mystery. And even me, I'm going, okay, well, what the hell could it be? Uh, which actually dovetails into Luthor a bit. And as much as obviously they're aiming towards Darkseid and the planet Apocalypse, and that's going to be the big bad guys are the uh, the evil new gods. And again, that's that's great. They're, they're great villains for the Justice League. Absolutely. Aim in that direction. Please do so. At the same time, why is Bruce getting weird prophetic dreams? Why did he have the dream of the future? And why is he seeing the giant Omega symbol? And why is he seeing the parademons jumping out of the sky to take down him and his troops along with Superman's his troops being there? That didn't make any sense. Um, I, no explanation whatsoever. <laughs> uh, and nowhere in any way, shape or form in any of Bruce's, you know, things that he can do. Prophetic dreams are not in the cards. They're not there. Um, however, an easy way that they could have changed that not to play armchair director too much is they should have made that wonder woman's thing. She is one of the old gods. The new gods are coming. She should be getting those dreams, but giving them to Bruce and to Batman just makes no goddamn sense with one possible exception, uh, which dovetails me off into Lex Luthor. Uh, okay. Interesting combination of Luthors here. 1986 DC comics cleaned up all their continuity by doing the crisis on infinite earths. When the comics kicked back off again, after that was done, Lex Luthor was, um, you know, he's, he's Donald Trump. He's Donald Trump with about three or four times the IQ <laughs> and the money. Right. Too. right. He, he's a super, he's a super genius, Donald Trump. He's a businessman. Um, he's not running around in, you know, armored suits, you know, trying to kill Superman. No, he's, he's convincing people through word of mouth, through media and such as that, that maybe we shouldn't be trusting aliens. He's a far more nefarious villain. Prior to that, however, uh, for 40 something years, Lex Luthor was a mad scientist so I think in Batman Superman, they kind of merged the pre and post crisis Lex Luthor's. And frankly, I kind of missed the mad scientist version of Luthor. So actually having him being the incredible technical genius who didn't inher- who inherited a bunch of money from his father, obviously, and yeah. being both the businessman as well as the scientist. All right. Okay. It's also fairly clear that he has been touched by something of apocalypse, something of dark side, because he's getting the prophetic wacky stuff as well. I think that was made. Well, that's actually, did you see the deleted scene that was released from that? Yes. Yeah. Uh, because somebody okay. mentioned it before. So I went and tracked it down 
um, where, you know, it's explaining, you know, apocalypse and or at least hinting at it heavily before the soldiers all get vaporized. The only thing. Oh, I- the one where he's, he's communing with the, the demon from dark side. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that would have helped. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it was a, it was a relatively short scene. I think they could have fit it back into the film. Yep. But as to Bruce getting it and with what the film that we did get, the only thing I can think of is that Bruce Wayne is supposed to be one of, you know, the smartest men on the planet, as is Luthor, that maybe by their intellect, they're picking up on something that they don't necessarily realize they're picking up on. And thus it infects their dreams and their goals and their desires and whatnot. I don't know. Hmm. But the, the thing is, is that it takes such incredible, I'm going to reach over here for speculation that, again, it makes for a bad movie going experience. Exactly. It's one thing for me to be able to explain it. It's one thing for me to be able to say it. It's another thing for that to be translated onto screen, which it wasn't. No. And that, that bugs me. A lot of people didn't like the Luthor in the film because they've been treated to the last 30 years of Lex Luthor being a businessman. You know, they've seen the, you know, again, it's, he's a product of his time. Uh, the big villain being big money, the 1% type thing. Whereas, again, previously he was just a mad scientist. I think this kind of married the two, and I'm kind of all right with that. The only thing I didn't like was they they played him a little bit too crazy, played him a little too mad, which is going to get people going, well, why did they just use the Joker if he's going to act like that? And they kind of have a point, Uh, except (laughs) for the whole point of the Joker's being saved for the Suicide Squad film. Anyhow, Mm. so, and even beyond that, there was still no shown motivation as to why Luthor was going after anybody. There's genuinely no, I mean, he wasn't in Man of Steel, so okay, maybe he had his business hurt as a result of it, but there's no motivation given to Lex Luthor as to why he's doing any of this stuff. Well, he said, he did have the one little speech about um, something involving uh, powers, only how much control you have over things or something along those lines. So it was, like you said before, though, it's kind of like insinuating, maybe that's the reason, is that he didn't like that there was someone out there that could ever be more powerful than him uh but you're they're just insinuating that is the reason but you're right they didn't actually show a good reason why he was so obsessed with suddenly killing superman like why and i and i don't understand why they never bothered to take care of that again it just doesn't make any sense to me let's see here uh i I mean honestly sadly oh that takes care of luthor um, you know, for any sort of nuance from the character I have to discuss about him. I mean, it's just somehow he figured out about, you know, Ma Kent. Sure. Okay. Let's, let's go ahead and do that. Whatever. Carry on. Um, as to, as to the other characters, I'm going to save one for last, but, uh, Doomsday, holy crappy nineties gimmick Doomsday. <laughs> I, I, I kind of despise the character. Doomsday and Bane were both invented to do one thing, and that was to, we're going to sell comic books by quote-unquote killing off or crippling one of our main characters. Um, Mm -hmm. I can't stand that. If somebody's going to take down Superman, it needs to be Brainiac, it needs to be Luthor, it needs to be be anybody else other than that. I'll accept Toy Man taking him down, but creating a brand new thing in order to pull off this... Frankly, what was a sales grab in the '90s? Eh, no, no, it was. It's a terrible character. It's a, it's a one-note character, and worst off, you build it up as being as something big, huge, big, bad thing, and then anytime you try to reintroduce it, it's impossible to do. It becomes the Borg in Star Trek. It becomes the Daleks in Doctor Who. Yep, there they are again. The first time you see it, they're terrifying. 
And then after that, you know, well, gee, how many different ways can we see the most terrifying aliens be taken down? It's true. And every time he says like, oh, the horrible, the Daleks are coming back, it's, it's, it's going to ruin everything, and it never does. So, <laughs> And they made the same mistake with the uh, Weeping Angels, but anyhow. Um. But I will say, uh, Doomsday was great in the Sega Genesis Superman game. I never played it, but I'll take your word for that. <laughs> it's a, the Death and Return of Superman Sega Genesis. It's fantastic. <laughs> gotcha. So, but anyhow, uh, the effects for Doomsday were cool. The uh, the fight scene was pretty well done. Uh, actually, I have my own entire thing about the fight scene, but we'll get to that. Um, <laughs> making him the rampaging monster with one thing in mind, which is destroy Superman. Okay, he fit the bill. Um, he's definitely a secondary villain in the film, as clearly created by the true issue of the film being Luthor. The fight scene I liked. I enjoyed the hell out of the fight scene between the, the trio, which gets me back to Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. Stole the movie. Completely agree. Yeah, Gal Gadot, uh, for those who don't know, she's former Israeli military, uh, former Ms. Israel. Anybody? Who, I didn't know that part. Yeah. Anybody who complained about the fact that she was not built enough for it has not researched who the heck the actress is. Yeah, former Miss Israel in like the Miss International contests and such as that, uh, as well as, you know, former Israeli military, as honestly most Israelis are. I think you have to do a two-year stint if you're a citizen. But Yeah, it's like mandatory service whatever but still cool yeah um oh and uh her uh, her mos what she did in the israeli military was for physical fitness you know basically oh, wow. she, she was a basically a physical trainer so you can't you can't say that she didn't have the both physicality as well as looks to pull off wonder woman i think you're right and it's like she was i, I see what people were saying originally because she was she her frame looks so frail but just the way that she carries herself Mm-hmm. And now that I've seen her in this movie, she's just so confident and just so you believe her strength, even though she does still seem kind of frail framed, even compared to like the comic book version of Wonder Woman. But she carries herself so well that it kind of works. Right. Right. And let's not forget with a lot of fanboys, what they were really complaining about is she's like a B cup. <laughs> That's probably the truth. Yeah, Which right. is sad, but you know, hey, uh, but no, um, she the the suit looked good. The, the fighting looked good. I was trying to figure out why they were making her the reluctant warrior bit, which will be explained a bit more in her own film, but at least they hinted yeah. at that. They actually had her say, you know, a hundred years ago, you know, I came here to try to do stuff. Nothing's changed. Why should I try now? Yeah. See, one line solved that. Exactly. One line. It was amazing how well that worked. <laughs> um, but, uh, but the fight scene, I mean, because there's a while there. Okay, the biggest thing I love about the fight scene is, first off, it's all three of them tangling, right? Batman is doing one thing and one thing only throughout the entire fight scene with Doomsday. Running for his life, trying to find cover, and, I mean, he he, he has three things in mind. Don't get killed, find a good place to fire this gun at, because I've only got one shot to weaken the creature. Um, Mm -hmm. You never see Batman running for his life in in any of the movies. Cartoons, yeah, because the cartoons write him as being smart. I can't face this. That's going to kill me. I need to get away from <laughs> yeah. it. I am human, and that's it. <laughs> um, so watching him scramble for cover, get rescued by Wonder Woman once at least, uh, I liked that because it actually showed, no, really, Batman's a human. Me too. <laughs> you yeah. know? Uh, so the fight scene with Doomsday, I loved that. It was very well done, especially when any time that Doomsday was actually smacking Wonder Woman around, she got up with a smirk on her face. Like that oh, was yeah. a great moment. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen something like this in a long time and jumping right back into it. It's like, okay, yeah, she's an Amazon. That's amazing. She actually looked like she was having fun in the fight. 
or having fun in this movie for for one thing. Exactly right, which you know was even more than what you can say about most everybody else. Yep. Um, but yeah, absolutely. In my opinion, she stole the movie, even though she was only in it for a little while and dancing around the edges of it for a little while as well. As to the fight scene that happened pre- prior to that, the Batman versus Superman fight, uh, utterly forgettable, kind of lame. I did appreciate the fact that it was all a setup from Luthor as opposed to Batman really trying to take down Superman. Once he did get Superman on the ropes, the whole, yes, your mother had the same name as his. Congratulations. I'm glad that snapped (laughs) you out of your murderous rage, Bruce. That was pretty weird. Yeah. um, It just, it, again, there's a good movie in there somewhere, but it's not really well done. If that whole part felt rushed, that whole part felt out of left field yeah, at the beginning of the movie, they have the whole point of Thomas Wayne looking over and saying, Martha, you know, before, you know, he finally expires, things like that. And I know he tried to see it that way, but at the same time, it's like, wow, that's all it took to snap Bruce Wayne out of being, you know, ready to murder this guy. Okay. But again, I could backseat direct that particular scene, given the background that they gave it, as opposed to what we, what I was set up to believe it was. Again, being that, Superman shows up going, uh, I, he's got my mother. You know, I, I have to fight you type thing, and Bruce not giving a shit. It, was, it wasn't it was the setup I was expecting, but it was also still lame. Um, <laughs> but I still preferred Fair. it. I still preferred it as being where, no, it's the bad guy manipulating the situation to get them to this point. However, again, we go back to the point of, Bruce, you're the world's greatest detective, and you blinded yourself from being able to detect, which is what you're supposed to be best at. Yeah. Uh, thanks for failing yet another superhero character for me, Zack Snyder. Because honestly, if Bruce Wayne's world's greatest detective, Superman shows up for that fight. Uh, I have to do this. He has my mother. Bruce looks at him. Yes, I know. Let's make it look good. You know, I, ah, yes. you see, suddenly, <laughs> suddenly be the movie becomes much better. Um, but Suddenly it has depth. <laughs> yeah. You know, you fight until such times you get out of sight from Luthor and then you come up with a solution. How much time do I have? Ten minutes. I got this. I get, uh, but another another 50-50 fight scene, Bruce goes to rescue Ma Kent. Okay, you know this is going to be a good one because Bruce is kind of, you know, what one, one of the trigger points you can always hit Batman with is somebody's parents are going to die if you don't do something. It's a real big red shiny button for Bruce Wayne. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I appreciated the fact that he was the one going in to save Ma Kent. Loved how most of the fight scene worked except for quit murdering people. Um, you're the goddamn Batman. Quit murdering people. Um, cause how many, it was good for a while until he grabbed one of their guns and then just shot it off and like killed three, three dudes with bullets and exactly. then continued That's fighting. Uh, yes. I realized the original version of Batman carried a sidearm, but that was also 75 years ago and they haven't done it in 74. <laughs> so, and the whole thing, he busts through the wall, you're coming through the wall to grab the guy with, with the M60 again, beautiful looking scene, you know, Make one move and I'll kill her. I believe you. Okay, great line. And you shot the tank, which caused it to explode, which killed even more people. Oh, Bruce. <laughs> Again, I shouldn't be saying, oh, Bruce. Should be, oh, Zack Snyder. He has mm-hmm. a very particular view on how superheroes should be, and it pains me that his vision is going to taint this for generation, a couple generations afterwards. Anyhow. Well, just let someone else direct the next ones, please. Jeez. Oh, uh, well, like, don't let him direct Dress Justice League. 
Uh, oh, geez. That's the worst part is that the next ones that he's directly involved in are the Justice League films. Um, the uh. rest the rest of the lead-up films, he is apparently a producer, but not a director uh, and Thank not God. a writer, um, which gives me hope because I'm, I'm looking forward to the Wonder Woman film. Oh, yeah. Again, Gal Gadot did an amazing job. Um, the director, I can't remember her name, Pat, uh, Patty Jenkins. Uh, Patty yes. Jenkins also directed Monster, uh, the one about Eileen Warnos. So she's got directing chops. She knows what she's doing. I trust her with this. Please put together a good film. Uh, the Aquaman film. Okay, we get to see Jason Momoa um, taking the character off in directions to try to make people forget about the Super Friends. Okay, um, <laughs> I'm sold. Let's see what you can do with it. I don't know if Cyborg's getting his own solo film. I want to say that he is. Um, yes. Okay. I know Flash is getting his own film. I know the Green Lanterns are getting their own film because the only the only members of the Justice League that were not referenced at all in the film directly were the Green Lanterns. However, there was yeah. however another Easter egg. There was Major Ferris who was there with the Joint Chiefs. That's Carol Ferris. Carol Ferris is the love interest of Hal Jordan. Hal Jordan being the Green first Green or, well first. Of the Green Lantern Corps of Earth. Was it a known actress or anything, or no? Uh, not that I recognized, huh. anyway. Possibly an up-and-comer, not sure. But uh, she was referred to as Major Ferris numerous times, and in the credits it's uh, spelled the same way, F-E-R-R-I-S. So I can only assume that's supposed to be Carol Ferris, because she ends up inheriting her father's aerospace company, which makes airplanes. Interesting. And the character in that scene was Air Force. So that makes sense. I got to assume it's the same person. Well, on that note then though, what did you think of the scenes of with the small reveals of those characters? Uh, let's see the small reveals. Okay. The Aquaman one, clearly they're going to give Jason Momoa FaceTime because uh, let's face it. A big chunk of the appeal of him being uh, Aquaman is going to be the sex appeal. And <laughs> I'm okay with that. Um, if that gets people's butts in theaters to watch it, sure. Absolutely. Go right ahead. Um, yeah. It is clearly a different interpretation, or at least a interesting interpretation of the character that DC has tried to do a couple times and always failed at, which is to try to turn him into a medieval king of the sea. Um, Atlantis is a monarchy, and he, he's a monarch, actually focusing in on some of the powers he has, which, again, writers have tried to put out there, but unfortunately, the specter of he talks to fish you know, overwhelms <laughs> everybody. Um, Aquaman, Aquaman can, can swim at, you know, nearly, I don't want, I I can't remember what it's called when it's underwater, but basically near the speed of sound underwater. As a result, when he's on the surface, he has super jump. He's like the Hulk. He can leap across a city because his legs are just that strong due to be able to survive at the great depths. He's bulletproof. You have to hit him with a really high caliber weapon to break his skin. He's not super, super strong, like you say, your Martian Manhunter, your Superman. On the other hand, he can punch a person, you know, knock him across a block or push him through a wall. These are things that writers have tried to nuance into the character based on, okay, if there's a character who could survive underwater like this, what could he do on the surface? And it's scary. Being able I always to, wondered about that. Yeah, being able to, uh, again, when you deal with anything uh, like deeper than 100 feet underwater, there's no real sunlight to, to speak of. His eyesight is incredibly good. You know, he can actually pick Batman out when Batman's trying to hide in shadows because he has low light vision. There have been these other powers. reference. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There have been attempts by various writers in order to, no, really, he's really actually kind of a cool character. But when it boils down to it, all that anybody remembers was a crappy cartoon from the late 70s where he can talk to fish. (laughs) (sighs) 
<laughs> which again, other writers have tried to point out, yeah, he's a telepath. It's just easier with the lower life forms, but he can actually use telepathy with humans and such as well. So I'm curious where they're going to take that particular spin, especially given that it's Jason Momoa, who frankly, nobody wants to pick a fight with in real life. So yeah. by all means, walk up to Jason Momoa and go, huh, your only power is talking to fish. That that ends poorly for you. Now, what what's the deal with Aquaman as far as if real briefly, but what's the origin of how is has he always been on Earth? Has he is he an alien of some sort? No, uh, he there there is in fact Atlanteans. Um, Ten thousand years ago or so, uh, Atlantis slipped beneath the seas. There were two populations of Atlanteans. One of them turned to high science in order to save themselves. They put themselves under a big glass dome and use science to allow them to become acclimated to the pressure, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and eventually being able to breathe underwater. The other half resorted to magic and turned themselves into merpeople. You know, their legs fused together and became tails. Um, huh. It's Atlantis and Poseidonus. Anyway, without going into too much detail, blondes in Atlantean society were considered uh, pariah. Um, they were basically, basically killed at birth due to something that happened with the destruction of Atlantis to begin with. Arthur's mother ends up mating with a surfacer, and when he's born, he comes out with blonde hair. So he is left to die on the rocks. Uh, however, being uh, however being half surface human, he's able to survive out of water. And he does have like the twenty-four hour. If he doesn't get to water, then you know he can die type thing. Uh, that's when he turns his, into gremlins or something. That, yeah. Well, you know, he just kind of shrivels up, you know, <laughs> turns into a kipper. Um, but um, so. Uh, so I'm really curious what they're going to do with that in order to try because again they've they've got a long time of people making jokes about being able to talk to fish to get over when it comes to uh, Aquaman. Um, I wish them well. I will in fact go see the film. I had a lot more hope for the films that Zack Snyder does not have a direct hand in. Um, Me too. As to the others, uh, they show Cyborg. Uh, another Easter egg for you: um, the experiment that his father uses on him in or two Easter eggs. Uh, this, that is because the guy who's talking to the camera, that's Victor Stone's father. The the guy that's like partial torso and partial arm in the background, that was obviously Cyborg. Um, when he pulls out the experiment 061882, that is a mother box. Uh, that is, that is again, the tech of the uh, the new gods, which again points to Apocalypse, points to Darkseid, points to the new gods, um, that goes to work on fixing Victor. So you got the point to that. The other Easter egg is a very minor Easter egg, but the 0618. 8-2, uh, the first appearance of um, Cyborg was in New Teen Titans number one, which came out on Ju- June 18th, 1982. It's a reference to his first appearance. That's pretty minute. <laughs> That's how much of a nerd I am about this. Anyhow. <laughs> so, uh, anyhow, uh, the other Easter egg, or the other introductions, um, obviously the big five. Oh, the third one, um, The Flash. The Flash. Can I say he looks like crap? Um, Ugh. Yeah, shave your cut your hair, man. <laughs> the actor playing him looks terrible. He's got that horrible wispy emo mustache and goatee thing going on. It's like you know, it, it, it's he's that guy who should not be growing facial hair, but is bound and determined to do so because reasons. And then when he shows up again in a dream sequence, I'm like, okay, that's clearly the Flash, but man, it looks horrible. It just honestly looks horrible. And that scene, yeah, go back to the dream sequence with the Bruce. Was that a dream sequence or did it really happen? Hard to tell. And like his hair was wisping out of the armor he was wearing. Right. It was really weird and looked really shitty. <laughs> exactly. Um, I mean, they do a much better job on the TV show for The Flash than that. Uh, I wish they would have merged the universes. That would have been so nice. Uh, I agree. Somehow. 
But again, as a DC fan, I just have to say Elseworlds. It means that it's on an alternate Earth where they like to make me feel pain. Because the TV series, as cheesy as they are, at least with The Flash, it's having fun. The people there actually look like they're enjoying being superheroes. It's crazy. (laughs) But the lines that The Flash spewed out in that one little dream sequence, I'm like, what did he say? Something about Lois. You were right about him. I had to go back and actually watch where somebody had pulled it, you know, or probably illegally, um, online to find out <laughs> what what the hell did he say? I know he was giving a warning, and I know it was supposed to be a Wasn't nebulous Lois warning. Lois is, is the key or something? Yeah, Lois is the key, uh, something else. You know, you were, right, you were right about him was one of the things as well. So it's like, you know, way to be vague and actually make things worse. <laughs> but even the scene where they show him in the, the surveillance camera in the uh, convenience store and such, I, uh, it just didn't look good. I mean, well, correction. It was hard to tell what was happening in that, that one. Right. I mean, it's supposed to show that he was moving, you know, so fast that nobody could see him and whatnot. And it created the lightning, which shorted out the cameras and whatnot. But it's like, it just looked shitty. And with all due respect to Ezra Miller, he ain't the flash yet. Um, they have to do a lot to convince me about him because he just yeah. dark hair, the, 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 the 12 year olds mustache and goatee combo. <laughs> No, dude, shave. He was an odd, odd choice. He Very was, odd choice. It was a terribly odd choice. And again, no reference to the lanterns yet, but supposedly we're getting a buddy cop lanterns film without Van Wilder this time. So uh, I have hope. You know, they're actually It'll actually be Jackie Chan and uh, Chris Tucker. Jeepus. <laughs> Don't even. Because <laughs> that, that also hints that Brent Radner might be involved, and I can't have that. Um, but, uh, we're going to do three. So, I mean, DC still got their, or Warner Brothers still has their work cut out for them. One of my, one of my great frustrations as a comic book person in general is that, okay, Disney just recently bought uh, Marvel Comics. What was it, 2010, 2011? And most Marvel fans lost their goddamn minds because, quote unquote, Disney was going to kidify all the Marvel stuff. And they didn't. They're, they're smart enough to leave that alone, to go with what works, actually you know, follow what's in the comic books, or at least do interpretations that make sense, uh, grounded in reality, but at the same time, have fun with the fact that they're superheroes. You know, Marvel is, they're really hitting on all cylinders. They've rarely had a failure. And even the ones that aren't that good still make a ton of money. They're still all right. Right. Uh, exactly. They're still all right. Uh, you don't you don't walk out going, well, I just wasted money. <laughs> You're like, well, that wasn't as good as the other ones, but it was still fun. Right. You know, when I'm speaking strictly of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, that is controlled directly by Disney. You know, they've had some other misses, X3, any of the Fantastic Four, but that's not in control of Marvel Disney. Yeah. DC, on the other hand, has been owned by Warner Brothers since the late 70s. Uh, why they haven't done this before I mean, they they should have beaten Marvel to the punch on this 25 years ago, you know when they had momentum. Because uh, one of the one of the laments that a lot of us have uh, that have been you know following this for a while is, man, could you imagine a Batman Superman crossover where it's Christopher Reeves and Michael Keaton? You know yeah. that would have been cool. It would have preceded anything Marvel had done by 15 years. You know, uh, so the fact that DC slash Warner Brothers is finally coming to the table. And they're and they're kind of trying to chase Marvel. I say kind of kind of because thanks to the Nolan films and other films that are not um, that are not people don't re- recognize as comic book films like uh, History of Violence and uh, Road to Perdition and such as that. DC's actually made more money in the movies than Marvel has. It's not by much anymore. It's not by much anymore. And if it wasn't for you know the Nolan films, Marvel would be blowing them out of the water. 
But uh, if you go back again to the beginning of the modern comic book movie, which again, I, it's still 1978 Superman, Marvel's actually still ahead in terms of money and butts in theaters. The pro, the, or the thing is, is that most people only see from the last 10 or so years where Marvel's been killing it, and Marvel's also been catching up. So, Well, have you seen the, the Death of Superman Lives, the documentary about the Nick Cage Superman movie that didn't happen? Uh, I have not. I've only seen stills from it with him in the suit and whatnot, and you know, I know Burton oh. was trying to produce it, but... It's a great documentary because it interviews Burton and also Kevin Smith, who wrote the first draft of that movie that never happened. Right. But uh, I think it, it shows what it gave a glimpse of why Warner Brothers just never got their crap together. And it just never happened because there were so many personalities and egos fighting back and forth about what the next Superman movie was going to be. And so Jeez. it just never came together. And, and that new Superman was kind of going to be in the universe of uh michael keaton pretty much because he was it was gonna be a tim burton right superman so uh but they just couldn't get their crap together because there were so many egos and money flowing different directions and so that it's it's fascinating you should definitely watch it okay i'll catch up with that one uh have you seen um he did two of them an evening with kevin smith where tim's speaking in front of college crowds oh man uh i want to say it was the second one which overall isn't as good as his first one but he goes into an explanation on his treatment on the his version of the death of superman um, and it's hilarious because he explains all these things about how the guy in charge of it wanted to have – well, he wanted it the Fortress of Solitude and yada yada and all this other stuff. And then he brings it all back home and it it, it all turned – everything that the guy who was producing it wanted to do turned into the Wild Wild West movie. With the spider and yeah, the uh, all spider. the stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's all the documentary. It's great. <laughs> they actually interviewed that producer too and he is a total nut job. <sighs> Doesn't surprise me. Because because uh, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, that's what actually screws up comic book films most often are producers who don't get comics. They see something as like, well, a comic book is great. A comic book appeals to 500,000 people at most. Well, we need to make a movie that's going to appeal to 500 million people. So here's the changes I have in mind. Um, that's where Marvel has succeeded. And as much as that, somebody says that and somebody at Marvel or Disney goes, no, we're going to trust the source material. And thus they succeed. Warner Brothers apparently doesn't listen to the comic book people. They don't trust the people who actually made this stuff successful and they meddle, which is probably why we got Bruce Wayne or Batman mass murderer. Um, <laughs> yep. It's, it's, it still bugs me. I mean, I realize I realize that that probably the most unrealistic thing about comic books is the incredibly low body counts, but that's not why we watch escapist fantasy. I don't watch escapist fantasy to see my heroes doing horrible things. I, I want to see them being good guys. Uh, you know, um, there's a, there's a certain amount of moral ambiguity that I absolutely want to see. However, at the same time, I don't want my I don't want my heroes maligned. I, I realize that's realistic, but again, at the same time, that's not why you go to see something that's escapist fantasy. Yeah, you go into like an anti-hero movie expecting that, not Superman, who's exactly. the Boy Scout. <laughs> right. Um, and and again, even though Batman has a certain amount of you know, angst over things. I don't, I don't want to see him just mass murdering people. Um, <laughs> drives me bananas. Uh, again, I think, honestly, I think that's why a big chunk of why wonder woman stole the film is that first off, not many people have preconceived notions as to what she's supposed to be. Second off, mm-hmm. frankly, you know, it is part of her background where she has killed people, but that's why she also has the lasso of truth. And that's why she has the bracers. Most of her weaponry that she uses, it's defensive in nature. Because she's not trying to kill people. She has the capacity to, however. 
so I think without a lot of preconceived notions about who Wonder Woman's supposed to be, because again, this is the first time we've seen her on, on the big screen. Uh, the only time that anybody's ever seen her on any screen was the Linda Carter version from the 70s. And the one really bad uh, pilot episode that had um, Adrian Pilecki in it uh, from about four or five years ago. Who's now in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? And then she went on to a different comic book <laughs> show where she's much better. And she's not wearing an outfit that makes her look like she's in a porn parody of Wonder Woman. Exactly. Um, but um, so overall, overall on a, on like a 10-point scale, uh, Batman Superman, he gets like a six. Because, again, there is a good story in there, and there is a good movie inside there. But holy cow, it's a muddied mess. <sighs> Too many points where, unless you know the DC Universe, you're not going to get the reference. Too many things that just don't make sense, unless you know the, the DC Universe. Slapdash together, parts missing, parts that obviously ended up on the cutting room floor. Uh, you know, I realize the movie's two and a half hours long, but I would have been okay with a three-hour version that made sense. Yes, because I, I I'm also I'm, but then again I'm also strange I'm one of those people that I don't care about the length of a movie because again escapist fantasy I don't care that you know I could spend nine hours in Middle Earth you know uh, watching Lord of the Rings or the Hobbit movies because I'm spending that long in an escapist fantasy I'm in a world that you know is kind of cool and that I wouldn't mind going to but I can't so this is the closest I'm going to get so I'm not going to complain that I'm there for three hours in that setting. And frankly, strange, I agree with that. strangely enough, I think Batman Superman would have been better off if they hadn't cut as much as they did. I hope they have a nice long director's cut version or not maybe a director's cut, but just extended cut version of the movie on Blu-ray. But I, I doubt they will. Uh, actually, they're already talking about that because there is thanks to thanks to Deadpool. There's even an R-rated cut version, apparently. And I'm oh, just wondering, yeah. maybe he'll actually how? decapitate people. Yeah, now. <laughs> how are you going to make it R-rated? How do you do that? There's already tons of death. Does somebody say fuck? Do we get to see a boob? How are you making it R-rated? It's already pretty friggin' violent. <laughs> and that was my thing as as a as a film major. I, I'm not an expert on film by any means, especially not anymore because it's been a long time since I studied film or even made many films. But uh, I just was so aware of how bad the editing was. It just the choices of how to edit that film and cutting for away from a fight scene to look at Gal Gadot on a computer where she's looking at all the people. It's like they put that in the most weird inopportune moment and just cutting between the scenes at strange times and cutting <laughs> yes. away too soon. So you don't know what the hell's going on. Like editing was awful in this yes. movie. <laughs> uh, and also uh, this, uh, Zack Snyder's obsession with doing things in really slow motion. Oh yes. Wasting time, waste time and it wrecked the pace. <laughs> Yeah, and it's like I, I, but he's that's that's one of his signatures, you know. Kurosawa and Ridley Scott have cherry blossoms and everything. Zack Snyder has odd slow mo scenes. You got John Woo doves going around, <laughs> right? Right. Every, everyone, every director, you can tell because of this thing. With Zack Snyder, it's this weird slow motion where it's probably filmed underwater in order to make everything look ethereal for you. And I don't care. Jeez, move it along. That really stood out in one scene with um. I don't know what was happening. Something fast was happening or it was just a regular scene. And then it cut to Bruce slow motion walking to his parents' grave. Right. And I was like, why is this happening? And why are we waiting? There's other things we need to be covering right now. Exactly. Uh, I mean, I don't even, I, I know the scene you're talking about. I'm not sure what interrupted it or what it interrupted because we come to that scene. I'm like, what, 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 what are we doing here? And why is it? Oh, <laughs> exactly. It just, it takes you out of it. Uh, and it just, Oh my God. Um, <laughs> 
I could go on for a long time about the different ways that I don't like Zack Snyder anymore. Well, not that I liked him to begin with, but still. But there's I also another podcast just, just who just did a review of the movie and they said a good point that there's like four or five good movies in this one movie that if they had slowed down, taken their time with this process and not jammed all this crap into one movie, it you would have had four or five well-paced interesting movies that we could follow and understand instead they just cram them all in this one movie <laughs> that that sounds about right that sounds about right yeah. because ooh, uh, again i need to talk to more people who know the characters but don't know the dc universe inside and out because like i say there are just there are parts of it that i know that my brain is filling in the gaps on that mm. joe schmuckatelli watching the film is not going to get um, Which is weird because you said a minute ago, and you're right about how DC and the studio, the Warner Brothers, are not following or listening to what the fans want in a movie. But at the same time, they're cramming it so full with things that are very, you know, out there references to DC that only true fans will know. So it's like, why are they doing both those things at the same time? Like not listening to the fans about what to make the movie about or making it a story that's interesting. But listening to the fans as far as throwing in all this fan service of references, it's, it's very weird and dissonant. They're confusing fan service with giving the fans credit for knowing what they like. It's, it's yeah. Yeah, it, I don't know. It, it's it's bizarre. It's, it's, it's like their own version of bread and circuses. If we throw you enough Easter eggs, you're not going to pay attention to the shitty job we're doing over here. Um, <laughs> maybe <laughs> but the, pro- the problem with nerds like us though is that we're very particular and we keep track of these things though and we thank you for the easter eggs but what about this other part you didn't distract us um and we're still pointing over there going hi this this still looks like shit and especially the main complaint that pretty much everybody had was about superman killing mm-hmm. in the last movie uh-huh. so you think they would have learned their lesson and been like okay let's take that down a notch maybe not have batman murder 300 people but no they made it even worse <laughs> they pretty much doubled down on it going well it's not as bad as Superman kills people. Goes look at Batman. He he kills people too. No, <laughs> and he brands them. Oh jeez, torture on top of it. I mean, good grief! <laughs> what the hell? Because when they started saying he was branding people and something like, what did you say? And then you know they showed it, and then you know the threat with Luthor at the end. It's like, okay, come on. Have you have any of you ever read a Batman comic book? Uh, what what is going on here? I mean, even read some of the shitty ones from the 60s. You still aren't going to get this. Uh, Definitely not. But on another hand, I think a lot of it is Zack Snyder trying to put his stamp on things. You know, this is my version of it. Her, her, her. You know, Zack, you're not paid to write comics. And there's a reason. Because neither Marvel nor DC would hire you. Um, <laughs> you're being paid to direct films based on what are, what is in the comic books. Stick to that. But, I mean... One of my biggest complaints about Watchmen is um, in the comic book, they make a big deal about the impotence, both of both ways, of all ways, of Night Owl, right? And that, you know, he feels impotent that he can't do anything as a hero anymore because he's been shut down and he knows stuff that he can do. And that translates into he can't perform when he finally gets, you know, Silk Spectre there with him. And he even says it point blank, you know, trying to do all these things, yada, yada, I just feel so damn impotent. And then, of course, when they finally suit up and they go out and rescue people, and they save the people from the burning building. They rescue them. Now, in the comic book, it shows where you know he draws Silk Spectre, and she's like, "Oh," because she realizes, "Okay, he's over it now." And it, all it <laughs> does tell. is that it shows them kissing. And in the very next panel, it's the it's a it's a distance shot showing his ship Archie with the flamethrower, you know, with the flames firing out of it. It's very subtle, mm. but you know exactly what's happened there. Of course, in the movie, he gave us a very 
and I don't say this often about them, a very awkward five-minute sex scene with, yes. you know, Hallelujah playing in the background. And my thought was, is like, he completely missed the point of that scene. He's just using, using this as a gratuitous way to show us, which I was a little bit thankful for, not going to lie, showing us uh, Malik Ammerman's, you know, pretty outstanding body. But that's not the point of the scene. <laughs> and frankly, when it comes to how he directs superheroes in general, especially with Superman, that's not how it's supposed to be. And the thing that terrifies me about this all, Batman and Superman is making a lot of money. It's making a shit ton of money. It's mm-hmm. breaking records for superhero movies money because this is in March. This isn't a summer blockbuster. It came out in March. Uh, March movies don't have a great track record of making a lot of money with the exception of like Alice in Wonderland from 2010 or something. This movie's oh, making a shit that. ton of money. And you know what that means? They're not going to learn a goddamn thing. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Zack Snyder's going to continue the body count. Our characters are going to become a little bit more and more uh, misaligned. And the worst part of it is, is that this is going to affect the source material because that's suddenly what's going to come down. The, what's going to trickle down the pike on this one is that by the time it gets back to DC editorial, they're going to go, we have to make the comics match up with the movies if we're going to get readership. And that's just going to go further in driving old schoolers like myself away from the comics. And that pisses me off. Even though the critics have all panned the movie, well, I know fans are loving it. Exactly. Uh, Well, you know, critic critics only go so far in how the success of a movie is going to be anyway. I mean, if you Mm -hmm. look at the top 10 grossing films of all time, how many of them had great critical reviews? Um, (laughs) I mean, and I'm serious about that because of the top 10 grossing of all time, only one of them is not a science fiction or comic book film. And that's Titanic. Um, Everything else is sci-fi or comic book based at this point. Not all it's of them, you know, I think of all of them, I think Titanic was the only one that got any sort of good reviews and well, that's because it's kind of hard to screw up a story about the Titanic. And that's, that's the worst part for me is that if it makes a lot of money, it's the same thing that James Gunn said about Deadpool. Uh, it's great that Deadpool had its success for what it was, but at the same time, all the producers are seeing is rated R comic book film made money. So they're going to push to make dick and fart jokes in movies like a new fantastic four or in the next Iron Man, or things like that, because, well, it worked for Deadpool, missing the point of that that's what that character is. Yeah, not actually looking at the source material. Correct. Which, you know, again, it kind of bugs me looking at, you know, the Batman-Superman thing. It's making a shit ton of money. As a result, they're not going to learn any lessons of any of the things that I've just spent the last hour bitching about. Um, <laughs> uh, again, there were good points of the film. We all agree that there's a good film in there somewhere. It just wasn't what we saw on screen. Um, well, correction, it was there. It was like, but you have to puzzle it together like a jigsaw. Anyway, the thing is, is that I'm, I'm glad that Snyder's not involved directly with the rest of these films. Cause I know that uh, there's, already, there's already been scenes of wonder woman shot and even what little snippets I'm seeing, they're setting in a world war one. Good choice. Um, I have hopes for that film. Uh, I have a reasonable hope for Cyborg. The only ones that I'm cons- only one I'm really concerned about is I'm looking at Flash and just going, he just isn't the Flash. And frankly, it's a weird take on Flash. And frankly, Grant Gustin and the guys on television have set a pretty high bar. It's goofy and it has a it's a CW show which I ran you know a certain amount of soap opera, and it has a limited TV budget, but they actually have a hero having fun, and I I really hope that they can continue that with you know the characters that are supposed to be lighter. And have another Superman film where he's 
turns into who Superman's oh, supposed geez. to be. I know, right? Which, again, the other thing, they killed him off at the end of the damn film. Obviously, yeah. the last final scene, they had the you know the Dragon Ball Z effect of the Earth lifting up off top of his grave and whatnot. So he, he's going Super Saiyan, yeah. Yeah, I know. He, he's gone to 9,000. Um, <laughs> so it's clear that he'll be back, uh, probably just in time for Batman and Wonder Woman to have assembled the rest of the Justice League. I don't know. I mean, I... We do need a genuine Superman film. Um, the one that came out in 2006 with uh, Brendan Routh, one by uh, Brian Singer. The problem with that film is that they tried way too hard to make it a legitimate Superman 3 from the Donner films. They gave him the son that, again, you're taking off from the source material. You're going off into your own La La Land, which they shouldn't have done. And Kevin Spacey playing Gene Hackman, playing Lex Luthor. It was very strange. Yeah. If they had let Kevin Spacey play Luthor, he would have been great. But instead... Look at House of Cards, man. I know. Exactly. <laughs> he's, he's already playing He's basically Lex Luthor. Luthor right there. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Lex Luthor we deserved. Um, exactly. But instead... That's like a Nolan Lex Luthor right there. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, a, that's a frightening Lex Luthor right there. Um, <laughs> in that movie, if they hadn't screwed up that movie, we wouldn't have the Superman that we have now, which is even far more screwed up. Because say what you will about the 2006 film, he's still earnest. He's still a good guy. And that's what Superman deserves to be. And and now he's continuing on in the Legends of Tomorrow. Also true. <laughs> I mean, at least he still has a job. Um, yeah. He's very earnest in that show as well. <laughs> that's well. You, uh, uh, actually, in that show, he's supposed to be playing uh, Blue Beetle, but they can't use Blue Beetle in that show because they're going to use him as something else. So they turned the Atom into Blue Beetle and have him being played by Superman. Yeah. <laughs> this is very complicated. Isn't it <laughs> On the other hand, I'm excited to hear that they're doing something with uh, Blue Beetle and uh, Booster Gold, but they haven't said if it's going to be television or movies or what. So, but again, those are happy characters, though. So I, I, I kind of don't want to see them do anything with it because I'm afraid they'll screw it up. But I can't say that. If they actually do television, there's a pretty good chance it'll actually be a fun show to watch. If they do it as a movie, it's going to be, you know, Booster Gold, this grim traveler from the future, trying to save us from something or another and making money at it. Yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> I, I can get ranty about this if I'm not careful. Uh, no. <laughs> but, uh, but again, I do actually encourage people to see Batman Superman. I, I talked to my brother about it. who hasn't seen it yet. And he's frankly terrified, too. Because he had the same fears that I was, is really, are we just going to get watching, you know, two and a half hours of Superman getting his butt kicked on screen? Is that, that what we're going to go get paid for? Which, and luckily it wasn't that. No, it wasn't. Again, I was pleasantly surprised by that. I can imagine a lot of fanboys would not be, though. I do recommend people seeing it. At the very least, you know, we'll get it on Blu-ray, DVD, and in what, four months, five months? Because, again, one of the things that terrifies me is the movie's making a lot of money. Which means none of the things that we're complaining about will be corrected. Yeah, it's just odd way the world works. That's why there's five Transformer films and five more coming out. Right. Oh, and they're mixing <laughs> it. Have you heard what they're doing with that? Is that uh, IDW, the comic book company that has the rights to it now, uh, they're already doing G.I. Joe crossovers. Um, there's the potential of a G.I. Joe Transformer crossover film, as well as crossovers with a bunch of other properties. They have like Micronauts and uh, Mask, that crazy show from the 80s with guys with transforming cars. And it's, it's like a bunch of bad 80s toy properties this one company has a hold of. And apparently that, that Hasbro is in charge of them. They're like, you know what? We can make crossover films too, just like Marvel's doing. Oh, boy. Um, it ain't going to work. <laughs> 
Well, they're already um, mixing together 21 Jump Street and, and, uh, and Men, in, Men Black. in Black. What the yeah. hell? How does this make sense? Why the hell not? Just do whatever the hell you guys want at this point. <laughs> I, I wish I was paid that much money to come up with just as crazy ideas. You know, <laughs> I mean, because I can I could do a hell of a lot of some sort of illegal drug and come up with a dumb idea and get paid six figures for it. I'm okay with that. I think that's what happened. I think that is what happened. Oh, geez. Yeah. Um, that, I mean, uh, oh boy. Uh, I, 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 yeah, I got nothing on that. I got nothing. <laughs> well, anyways, I think we've almost been going an hour and a half here, the length of a shorter movie. Yeah, true. Um, <laughs> so I, we should have you back for anything in the future. I would love it, but uh, especially the next DC movies to come out. That'd be a lot of fun. Roger that. Actually, I do have a potential topic in mind for that, which is going to become Ooh. important relatively soon. And that is the Battle of Captain Marvel. Um, the reason why Marvel is pushing so hard to get a Captain Marvel movie out. And it's not because they want a female superhero. But I'll leave it at that. And I do appreciate you coming on the show, and we'll be talking to you guys soon. Please comment, people, if you uh, agree or disagree with anything he said or I said uh, on Twitter, Facebook, uh, all those social medias, carrier pigeons, all that stuff. And uh, we'll get back to your email us. Email us at uh, batman at playonnerds.com, and we'll actually get that email. So go ahead and do that. But yeah, thanks for coming, Jeff, and we'll talk to you soon. Not a problem, sir. I'm glad to be back. If you'd like to find out more about us, you can always check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash a play on nerds or check us out on Twitter and Instagram at a play on nerds. We're also streaming live game content all the time on twitch.tv slash a play on nerds fun videos and stuff to check out youtube.com slash play on nerds. And also please subscribe to us on iTunes and leave a review if possible, because that lets us be easily searched in the iTunes search index for podcasts check us out at our website www.aplayonnerds.com where all this content can be found at the tip of your fingers and you can also always email us at anything at aplayonnerds.com we just want to hear from you however you do it check us out and how and how